try as a family to not allow the activities of all of your children to spin you off into so many different directions, to try and focus a little bit so that you can keep it together more as a family. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudwa, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, I get to start the podcast today, Julie, don't I? <laughs> yes, you do. You do it so much better than me. <laughs> no, not not at all. But uh, the reason I'm going to start is because I am going to ask you questions. This is an interview with Julie Walker podcast, and we're doing this partly in honor of Mother's Day, yes. which was a few days ago. Right. You are a mother of three boys. I am. And... You've been with us for a long time. Ten years. Well, 11 years, actually. 11 now. years now. Yes. And what is it exactly that you do for us? I'm actually curious to find out <laughs> all the things you do at IEW. Well, to say exactly would probably be the entire episode, <laughs> which I don't think we want to talk the whole thing about. But generally, my role here at IEW is to oversee marketing, which includes product development, working with you to create the new and or update the products. Promotions, so we have a few events that we do every year promoting our products, including having a Magalog, homeschool conferences, these types of opportunities that we go out to reach other people. Prices, so I get to work with you to decide pricing for our materials. And finally, packaging, so it's all the P's of that marketing. That is a lot to do. And plus, I'm sure glad I don't have to. <laughs> and plus, I have a, a great team of people that I get to oversee, so that's part yeah, of Yeah, was, was podcasting in that P? No, but it should be, huh? Yeah, yeah. But that is definitely something that we do, yeah. Peanuts. We don't really do peanuts. We do chocolate. <laughs> we do chocolate. You've got someone on that. Yes, exactly. We have a chocolate fairy who comes around every day at 3 o'clock and keeps us energized. <laughs> Good. So when I first met you, you were working for Biola University's Tory Academy? Yes, the Tory Academy was part of Biola Youth Academics, which was a program that essentially recruited homeschoolers to Biola University. I see. Did it work well? Did you get a lot of homeschoolers in the program that continued on to Biola? We actually did, and that program continues to this day. Wonderful. Well, my first experience of you, I think, was you arranging for me to come to Biola and do a teaching writing structure and style with a few days of student workshops. We were doing academic classes for homeschooled teens. We were meeting one or two days a week, and we were hitting the academics, biology, foreign language, math, and English. And we were really struggling how to teach our students to write. So they were classes. The kids were coming in. They were doing grammar workbooks and blank page type of assignments and not really getting great results. So I heard about you from a friend, went over to 
talk to someone at the Beautiful Feet booth at a convention, heard more about you, called you up, invited you to come down and train our parents and teachers. And, well, the rest is history. Do you remember what year that was? I believe it was November of 1997. Wow. So that was early on mm-hmm. in the game for me. Yes. And even before I had moved to California. Mm-hmm. The thing I most remember is that there were so many people at this TWSS, we couldn't use a room that even had tables. Right. We had to use a, a chapel. Yes. And people were in the pews. And I was simultaneously frustrated because people couldn't have a table and and also pretty excited at the, I don't know, 170 or something. I mean, it was the biggest thing that I'd done to date. And I remember thinking, well, that woman knows how to get people (laughs) to turn out. And then we continued that every year for, I think, pretty much every year until you left Biola. Well, certainly the first five years. And then you got busy as IEW began to grow. We weren't able to get you year after year. But we did work on another project together. Do you remember that? The high school essay intensive. Exactly. Yes, the first version of it filmed Mm -hmm. at the Biola little auditorium-style classroom. I remember that. And I was working on a triac paragraph. I think we used cafeteria food, Mm -hmm. if I recall correctly. Yeah, Biola's got a great cafeteria now since you've done that Uh seminar. And anyway. Yeah, so... That was fun. And you have your master's in business administration. I do. With a specialty in marketing. Entrepreneurship and marketing. Entrepreneurship and marketing. While you were still in that program, we were working together and you had some friends. I think we got one of our top designer contacts. Yes. Out of your relationship there. And I teased you and I said, well, if you ever leave Biola, you should come work with me. Yes. And then... One day you called me up and said, well, I'm leaving. That's right. <laughs> when my youngest graduated from high school, I was looking for a change. And, yeah, I called you up. I don't know that I knew that you were teasing. I thought maybe you really wanted me to come work for you. <laughs> well, I, I probably did, and I was teasing. I mean, sometimes our teasing has subconscious implications sure. as well. <laughs> so you used the IW materials with your three boys and – how did that go? Were any of them on the reluctant writer side? Yes, I I have, even though I have only boys and I only have three, I do have a spectrum of aptitudes. My oldest son can write and could write well, but there were certain ways of he, that he was expressing himself that we were getting to arguments over it. It was getting difficult for me to give him clear guidelines on what I was looking for without an argument. That was frustrating. And then my middle son was more like the 18-page girl. He would just go on and on and on. He's a musician, mm. songwriter, and still goes on and on and on and talks <laughs> up a storm. And then my youngest son was my reluctant writer. And it's, it wasn't that he wasn't articulate. He just couldn't get those words on paper. So you had the spectrum, as do most parents have. With uh, only three. Yeah, and it's amazing. so funny because, you know, they're all, they got the same parents, pretty much the same environment, right. same community for the most part, and yet so different. Yep, yep. Just an amazing thing. Yep. And I remember when my youngest sat in your writing workshop that you gave, you said to me, you might need to sit with him and help him. <laughs> Is that what I said? You did. And I thought, well, that's 
insightful, and so I did. And how old would he have been at that point? I believe he was 10. 10, okay. And now he's our lead video production wizard here at IEW. Yes, he is. Isn't, isn't that incredible? Absolutely who, astonishing. Who would have guessed it all those many years ago? Right, and it was actually just a couple years ago that he wrote a blog post that we can link to in the show notes. And he actually says that his instruction in structure and style helps him do his job today in video editing. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. You'll have to read that blog post. I think I should read that blog post. (laughs) I I would be fascinated to see. Because I I hear a lot of people say, oh, there's a cross-application. This is going to help. You know, from adults, you get dads who are dragged into our seminar. And at the first break, they'll say, wow, this is really going to help in my ministry or my business or my work. We get college students who say, oh, I wish I'd learned this. When I was younger, I'm going to use it right now in college. and, And we get... Teachers of things like music and art who, you know, are in an in-service because the school is making all the teachers do it. But then they'll come up to me and say, oh, I think we could do keyword outline on famous artists and write reports and wouldn't that be great? Or I think I'd actually someone say, we can use the keyword outline idea to teach computer programming. Yes. So here's a complete program. Take the short hints, take the key steps, remove the original, and then reconstruct the in-between pieces. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, I, I never would have thought of that, no. but the, <laughs> it seems like the cross-applications are, are broad and numerous. Well, and as you said, so oftentimes we here, we at IEW, hear, I wish I would have learned this. I would have done so much better in my own education. Well, I had the benefit of teaching this to my students, and then by extension, the program that I was working in through Biola, teaching other students. So I learned it really well, Uh so that when I applied for the MBA program, I had to take a writing exam. Uh And the way they grade the the writing exam, they have two scores, and you get a, they average the score. The highest you can get is a six. Oh. And I got a 5.5 on my written composition thanks to you and IEW. <laughs> so I got into my master's program because That's of my fantastic. Yeah. What some people might not know, although I think you've mentioned it a couple times, your undergrad degree is in recreation. Yes. Right? Yes. So you bring this festive, playful attitude to <laughs> so much of what you do. Well, and it, it's the culture that we have here at IEW that you've created, really, lends itself to that because motivation, teaching with games, some of the things, so much of what we do is about infusing into what could be an arduous activity with motivational games. And so, yes, I think it's a nice blend. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's been great. So now you finally, about a year or so ago, reached the point where you qualify to join the club which I founded which is the looks way too young to actually be a grandparent <laughs> club. Well, tis true. I am now a grandmother. I don't know that if I qualify in that looks too young to be a grandmother. But, yes, I'm very much Well, it. I think you do, and the fee is only $10. <laughs> uh, it's a one-time fee. Okay. You have to pay in cash to me, and then you can go recruit other people to join the club and you can keep their ten dollars so it's like a multi-level with no levels and no product so we'll put my email in 
the show notes so that people can contact me if they want to join the club. Is that what we should do? That would be fine. Um, And they would have to send a picture of themselves looking in a mirror. (laughs) Okay. Because that's the qualification. You have to be able to look in the mirror and honestly say to yourself, I look way too young to actually be a grand. Now, when I founded the club, I, I qualified. But the fact is I actually probably don't qualify anymore. So I'm holding out to found the looks way too young to actually be a great grandparent <laughs> club. Well, the fact that you have 11 grandchildren now, you know. Yes, 11 grandchildren. Oh, and it was funny. Uh, one of my students recently was writing a letter as one of the assignments for Unit 7, a uh, young kid, probably 9, 10 years old. And so he wrote, uh, Dear Great Graham, right? So he wrote to his great-grandmother. He wrote, Dear Great Graham, I have some exciting news to share with you. However, first, I would like to remind you which great-grandchild of yours I am. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Michael works here. He's your youngest. Mm -hmm. And his lovely wife, Jessica, also works here. Mm -hmm. And your husband works here. (laughs) So we have the Walkers 1 and the Walker. What do you call it? The... So this is actually Michael's moniker. He calls himself and Jessica Walker 2.0. Okay, 2.0. And because, then... they, because my youngest was the first one to actually get married. Okay, well. And the two others. Now, Joel, he's the middle. Yes. And he actually did some work with us on the soundtrack for... We, our video course, the Teaching Writing Instruction Cell, right? Right. So when you first put that DVD in or you stream it online and you hear that spelling concerto. But played on the guitar. But played on a guitar with yes. a little bit of cello in the background. Yes, that would be my son. Yeah, neat. And he just got married. And he's Walker 4.0 because oh. he was the last of the Walker boys to get married. Yes. And his wife does our social media consulting for us. So. That's right. As, yeah. as an independent person, she keeps our Facebook posts current and gets Instagram stuff up so that we look like we we have a presence where we should. That's a lot to keep up with, too, all that. Well, and she doesn't do it alone. We do have a team, of course, so she kind of oversees all of that and advises us. So, And that's Stephanie now Walker, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a delight. And now your oldest, Daniel... He and I were very close at one mm-hmm. time. We spent a lot of time talking. And, in fact, my daughter and your son, Daniel, kind of had a thing for each other at one point. Mm-hmm. And, but now he's married, and he's your the father of your granddaughter. Yes, yeah, so Walker 3.0, that would be Daniel and Shelley. And, yes, my darling granddaughter, Lucy, Lucy Ruth, her namesake, her middle name is my middle name, so that was very sweet. She'll be a year this month. This month? Yes. Okay. You managed to come up with all sorts of great excuses to travel to California, <laughs> in part, I believe, to see that grandchild well, frequently. I wanted, huh? Yeah, I wanted to be sure that she knew my voice and knew me and wasn't did never cry when she saw me, which so far has been good. I think you heard me do the Talk Nurturing Competent Communicators once upon a time where I told the story about the father who was a submarine captain. And he would record books while he was out on deployment. He would record books 
each night, you know, 20, 30 minutes as he was able. Then he would come home, be home for a few months. Then he would go out again, you know, for many months at a time. He would leave the recorded books for his children so his son could hear his dad read to him. Yes. And I think you're doing this, are you, with planning to do it at least, little Lucy? Yes, I have multiple books that I have already read to her that she listens to. But you'll find this interesting. Her birthday's coming up, first birthday. And do you remember what you said about iPods and what the purpose of an iPod is? Yes. iPods are for books, not music. Never music. Put music on an iPod and it's a slippery slope to the dark side, <laughs> the abyss. But books. So, no. Yeah. You're, you're getting her an iPod? I, I did. I, I've already got it. I'm going to give it to her at her first birthday, and it will be loaded with books that Grandma has read out loud to her. Now, if I gave an iPod to one of my grandchildren at their first birthday, they would probably chew on it. Well, <laughs> clearly mom and dad are going to have to monitor the iPod use, yes. Well, that's great. So uh, what are some of the books you've chosen to do so far? Well, she's pretty young. Right, right. which is why I'm curious. Right. So we did Peter Rabbit, and that was actually a book that Daniel, when he was five years old, memorized the entire story of Peter Rabbit. So once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. You know, it's interesting, moms, when you are teaching your children to memorize, you kind of wind up memorizing yourself. So, yes, I know some of Peter Rabbit, but that was really fun to read to Lucy. And then I read a story that was recommended. Lots of the books that I have read now to Lucy was recommended by Sarah McKinsey and the Read Aloud Revival. Oh, yes. She was giving some recommendations for Christmas stories, and she said the one book that you need to have as a read aloud to your children is by Ann Voskamp, and it's Unwrapping the Christmas Gift. And so that's that was actually the very first book that I read out loud, and it's even before she was born, I gave that book and the story to Daniel and Shelley. And so it's like an advent so there's a little piece of the story to read every day before Christmas. So. Oh, neat. Yeah. Wonderful. And then I did uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's A Children's Garden of Verses. Oh, yes. And it just, oh, you know, it's just kind of a smattering of a bunch of different books. And I've got a bookshelf still of books that I have yet to get through to read to her. But it's been, it's been well, fun. Well, I, I hope that inspires all of the grandmas or soon-to-be grandmothers out there who don't have the opportunity to live close, but want to really be a part of grandchildren's lives and record those books and stories. What a wonderful gift. Possibly something that's of legacy value. Can you imagine little Lucy playing that for her children and say, this is your great grandmother yes, talking exactly. you know, to you? <laughs> well, and because I expect to have other grandchildren from Walker 2.0 and Walker 4.0, I bought Three of each book. <laughs> oh. So one recording, three books. and Oh, you are leveraging. <laughs> that's, see, it goes right along with your efficiency yeah. model of work here at IEW. Fantastic. So just thinking about all the moms out there, especially moms who are kind of in the thick of it. You know, it's, it's funny because we're, we're both after the thick of it. My youngest is getting married in a couple months and... So we look back, but we meet a lot of moms out in the field, and they've got a 
five kids, 12 and under or something, and, you know, they're just in the thick of it. What kind of wisdom or encouragement would you share with those moms who are are where they are, given your perspective and experience? Well, first of all, I, sh- I should qualify that while I only, quote, I only had three, they were very, very busy busy boys. In fact, my youngest, the one who works for us, has the gift of ADHD. And so he was very busy and we have all kinds of stories. And so while it was only three, yeah, it was a lot of work. But I will say that in the thick of it, to keep the priorities straight, you have a talk that I think is so important, the four language arts, and just the idea of focusing on the priorities and knowing what it is that you need to focus on so that you can say no to other things. That's my kids grew up with me saying things over and over again. One of them was whenever you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. Just teaching them prioritization. So knowing that what is the most important thing? Yes, the reading, the language, to be able to be articulate, probably, sorry, I'm going to say this, probably even more important than math because you need to be able to communicate with other people and hopefully be winsome in your communication. I think the other thing that I would say is to try as a family to not allow, try is the operative word, not allow the activities of all of your children to spin you off into so many different directions, to try and focus a little bit so that you can keep it together more as a family. I guess that's an efficiency strategy. And then I think that the final thing is, you know, whether or not you're homeschooling or have your children in school, to, to train them to be functioning adults. My husband mandated that I teach my boys to cook because his mother never taught him to cook. Mm. So all of my boys know how to cook and do it well. So things like that, those practical skills, and they just enjoy doing it. Well, and unbeknownst to many teenage boys, knowing how to cook is a very attractive quality to many young women. (laughs) Oh, yes, I would definitely say yes to that. (laughs) Good. Well, I guess we could finish up. I'm just curious, what is your favorite thing? about working here at IEW? If you had to kind of put one aspect of your myriad responsibilities and activities, put it on the top and say, that's the thing I love the most, what would it be? Someday I'm going to be sure that that question is asked of you in the (laughs) Ask Andrew Anything, because I'm sure you'd be sitting just as puzzled as I am to choose one thing. I think probably knowing that we are meeting a need in any educational setting, whether it's the teachers of the classroom, whether it's the homeschooling mom, whether it's the tutor working with that special need or ELL student, knowing that we are equipping them with products that will work, that are guaranteed to work. I remember that first time I came in and sat in your office the office that was in the barn at Atascadero. (laughs) And you said, Julie, here are our company values. And I thought, oh, he's got core values. This is very businesslike of him. I did not know. And you said, we have a 100% lifetime (laughs) guarantee on everything we sell. And I thought, well, that's technically not a core value, but I like this. (laughs) I like where this is going because that gives the customers confidence that what they're buying 
it's going to work. And if they don't think it works, then they can return it. And the other thing that you said is we never allow discounting. And I love that so our customers know that they're going to buy something that's of value that they, oh, didn't miss the sale. You know, so it's always going to be something valuable to them. So not just that it's a good price, not just that it is guaranteed to work, but, well, it is life-changing. And we hear so many stories from our families. And to be able to offer them products, I guess that's the main thing that I love to do. Well, and we have a bulletin board Mm -hmm. out front here with a hundred or two hundred, I never counted them, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a couple hundred yellow stickies with just quotes from people all over the country, all over the world about how significant our programs and materials have been in their lives. And, and that is just so rewarding. And I know you, perhaps even more than me, realize the responsibility we have to to continue to work and do whatever we can to get the word out because relationships are helped and writing aptitude is developed. In some cases, classrooms or homeschools are transformed yes. by the things that we offer. And not to say we're the greatest thing, but we really do get that tremendous joy. Mm-hmm. In, of, of being genuine help, not just having a successful you know, business like we should because we're a business, but to know that the success is, is extending out invisibly and we get little glimpses and tastes of it. And, and that's got to be part of the most rewarding part. Absolutely. Yep. You know. Knowing that we're doing something meaningful and lasting. Good. Is there any other question you would wish that I would ask you here before our minutes are up? Yes. Ask me what I would say to my boys if they were listening to this podcast. Okay. What would you say to your boys if they were listening to this podcast? I would say some of the things that I said to them over and over as they were growing up. I don't want excuses. I want production. (laughs) Good enough isn't. Oh, that's where that came from. Yes. (laughs) And most importantly, you do what you know is right, no matter what anyone else is doing. Well, and hopefully they will listen to this podcast (laughs) and be reminded of those things that you, as a obviously very uh, successful and joyful and accomplished mother, Mm -hmm. can leave as the legacy that will trickle down throughout perhaps the generations. So let's wish all of the mothers out there a happy belated Mother's Day and all of the grandmothers a happy belated grandmother's day, which is, there is no grandmother's day. Oh, yes. I think there's a grandparent day in October. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I never noticed that. (laughs) It seems like mothers always get the big billing. (laughs) Any case, uh, thank you so much then for joining us. And we will... Perhaps we don't see you, do we? It doesn't make any sense to say, see you next week. (laughs) We'll say, we hope you hear us next week. That sounds great. All right. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Andrew.
Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.